Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it though. I hope you got in tune. He talking bigger business. He make a lot of moves. He talking Scottatoon. I'm saying, wait a minute. Turn on the radio. Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me for the entire hour of this show, Chris. Uh, am I pronounce this lay? Lie. Okay. Lie. Chris Lie. He is the CEO of Mass VR. And it says pronounce lie right on my notes, but I'm stupid, so that's how that went. That's okay. What that an intro. <laughs> what an intro. Um, so, okay, so we're going to talk about I, this. I am so excited about this show. Uh, one, because I am obviously a media person. Two, I spent a good amount of my time gaming, a, a lot of hours of my life gaming, gone gaming. Um, and I've gotten away from it now, the wife, the business, the kid, it's just sort of not really, uh, the time is not there, but I'm super fascinated with the entire space. Um, and then there's the twist, the whole VR thing, where we're going with this, um, and the potential, uh, I think is going to be really exciting. So we're going to talk all about that. I want to make sure to give everyone a chance to get involved because I think there's people listening who are going to be blown away by some of the things that you're going to say. And I, and I think there's, there's going to be questions and people who are like, Oh, how does this work? And, and where do I get it? And, and how does this, uh, how does this impact me? So I want to let you know now you can call in. Our usual uh, tech companies that call to pitch are stuck in the air, so there won't be a call-in. So it's just me and Chris hanging out. Uh, so if you want to call in, the number is 312-981-7200. Please don't call in and say something crazy. Or if you're going to say something crazy, keep it clean crazy. we got kids here. we got the FCC somewhere in the air. The, the, the man, his eye, is somewhere in the air watching us, so, so keep it clean. Um, and before we start this whole show off, I want to make sure I say happy birthday to my father. He's downtown Chicago right now with my mother, and they're sitting at Harry Carey's at Navy Pier listening to this show, or at least they texted me and said that they're listening, so happy birthday. Um, all right, let's get into it. So before we go all the way down this nerdery path that I'm going to go, Tell me what MassVR is, just as an organization. Yeah, so MassVR is a developer of hardware, software, and the gaming for VR arenas. Okay. Right, and so that, that's something's very new. Yeah, Most but a VR- tiny, tiny uh, addressable market. No one's, no one's gay. I'm, yeah, I'm joking, well, yeah, it's yeah, gigantic. Yeah. No, no, it, it's, I think most people expect VR, they're like amazed by it when they first get into it, right? You're either sitting down or you're standing up, but you're not really moving. Yeah. Right, and, and that's what we've, differentiate yourself from everybody else you move a lot anywhere between a mile to two miles in one gaming session wow so i mean you're gonna break a sweat and you have the immersion never gets broken the whole time your kids are in the studio with us right now so i'm looking at them and mm-hmm. they're gonna smile yes or no is this is he telling the truth is this crazy is uh, you guys have tried it and you got this like your workout routine at home yeah, they just nodded. Yes, you're gonna have to believe me um that okay so continue i'm sorry i interrupted you. it's just mm-hmm. i think what you said there is just so, so accurate. I think that's the one thing that in the early phases of VR, people were sort of like, eh, all right, you know, it's just different, but it's not really different. And you're, you're like making it like I'm in it. Yeah. And that was the, that was the goal from the get go is we knew a lot of people were going to be working on this problem, making the headset uh, have higher resolution, making it more responsive, uh, and we set out to making sure that how do we make people play a game, a real game, not a little experience that you can have freedom to move around and feel like you're immersed in the game. Uh, and that was the goal. And there's a lot of challenges to that, you know, uh, from how do we get tracking? How do we get avoid people from colliding? How do we get everyone to start in the same place? Um, and one of the things that we've been able to do uh, that's very different is 
giving people this concept of end-to-one play space. Okay. So, like the studio, right? The studio is probably two, three hundred square feet, yep. right? Our arena is actually eight thousand square feet. That's pretty big. Yeah. But it's not big enough to play like uh, Halo. Yeah. Or or, or or Fortnite. You can't run forever. Eventually, you hit a wall. Yeah. So one of the things that we did was we figured out a way to kind of trick you without you knowing it and displace you and move you and you're in different floors and different buildings without having to actually physically go everywhere. Yeah. You're actually moving. Yep. Uh, but, but we kind of redirect you, reorientate you and you just don't know it. Yeah. And so a lot of people get off the headset and they're like, oh, was I just working, walking around circles. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You're just kind of walking around in circles, you yeah. know, uh, but together so you can see each other and high five each other. And there's in a show world. on top of this that should exist, which is just a, a camera watching people play Halo in the arena, walking around in circles. You got like 100 people in an 8,000-square-foot arena all running around in circles. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be hilarious. So we're going to dive into some of the, the technical pieces of this after our commercial break, but I, I got to feel like um, you and this company, and just the industry at large, can gain a lot from just some of the, the tech that's being developed by folks like Tesla, mm-hmm. who are building a car that essentially has the sensors and where you're like detecting things that are near it and knowing that whatever it is in front of you is not moving versus whatever is moving. And so all of a sudden it's like, beep, 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 like kind of let you know, is there other, other technologies out there that you guys have been able to sort of leverage and build upon or to turn more towards this specific use case? Or are you literally having to create things from scratch? No, we, you know, we're sitting on the shoulder of, of Titans yeah. of years of development. So we've looked at a lot of technology from, inside-out tracking, from computer vision to um, uh, LiDAR to uh, different types of radio uh, tracking. And so all of them have their pros and cons. And what we do very well is that we've been able to take these the, the pros and cons and be able to mash the data together to make it work. And users don't care. They just yeah. want to have fun, right? Yep. And so our job is to how to create that. Uh, a lot of people ask, oh, can't you just sell this to homes? I'm like, it's not possible. Yeah. You know, uh, you need a dedicated facility to do that where the equipment is always calibrated, it's set up, it's ready. So you just show up and you play. You know, if you try to do this in your home, A, you don't have enough space, right? You'll, that's what, hey, you see some of these funny videos, people are moving and they like hit a wall or hit their TV. Just knocking everything off. Exactly. The table. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's kind of dangerous. So most times you're just standing in one place. You're not, but those really are also, super limited it's like yes. i've played oculus games and yeah. stuff and like don't get me wrong it was fun yeah i may have had a few cocktails so like it was even more fun but yeah. the, the bottom line was i actually felt like i was in someone else's home i don't know the home i'm yeah. like waiting to like hear that i knocked wine on the on the carpet or something like i i think that's what has limited the growth absolutely they haven't gotten like for you i mean you've got to be able to look up at every single laser quest who's running out of business and be like, that's a great location to put a mass VR. I'm just guessing. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of retail space out there right now, especially with big box, yep. uh, Exodus, the Amazon effects. Uh, and, um, so yeah, I mean, at home you're, you're limited. You're, you're worried. You're going to hit something here. You just, we, we actually have to tell people don't go prone. Don't roll on your back. Like, don't slide on your knees because yeah. they get so comfortable. Well, yeah, and they're assuming that they're like the character in the game. Yeah. Um, we're going to walk through what this looks like both for the user and then from your development side, like how something like this is even made possible after this. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I am Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. All right. We are hanging out here with the CEO of Mass VR, Chris Lai. 
I am. We were t- you. You poor people listening to this show. You can't get the behind the scenes commercial stuff, and it's it's worth the, the real gems are. Uh, I just found out that you could literally like. Can I say who was uh, who did a party there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he hosted at his. Uh, it was a Skokie location at, at Old Orchard. Chance the rapper had his bachelor, basically bachelor party, right? Yeah. At this place, playing games and just having a good time, and. It just sort of blew my mind because I'm like, uh, the next Technori event should absolutely be something that we do there where we invite a bunch of founders and almost all founders are like former recovering or still gamers. Um, just because, I mean, honestly, half the people I've talked to in my podcast are got into tech, like got into development through gaming. Yeah. That was how they got in. They were like, oh, we, you know, we got on a platform and we were playing Minecraft or whatever. And we started making our own stuff and it, was, it kind of blows my mind, but I, I think people still don't quite understand how this whole thing works. So I want you to walk me through. I am going to go back in time and have my... I never had a bachelor party, so I'm going to have it. And I'm going to have it at MassVR. What is going to happen? So what would happen is that we actually um, put people on different teams, right? So it's a team-based event. The game that we've developed, the first one is called VR Champions, right? So it's very reminiscent of Halo. Okay. Right? Um, and you get put on a team. It's four on four. So it's player versus player. You put on a headset, a backpack, you get an uh, avatar name, so you can bring back your, your, yeah. your online name gaming and, and put it there. Uh, and you get all suited up, and we all launch you into an arena. And you all walk into the... Uh, you're in a, like, uh, an area with teleporters that tell you where you want to teleport into the actual game. right? And the game consists of multiple buildings, multiple stories, and, and multiple areas. There's an objective. The objective is to destroy the power core, and you also get points for enemy kills. There's also friendly fire, so you sure. have to worry because if like I'm breaching something, you don't just step in front of my my my, my line of sight for yeah. fire because I'm going to hit you. Uh, you can see your hand so that you can interact with objects and things like that. You can kind of see all your stats on your hand. Uh, you can rocket jump just like you could do in games. So like you want to go somewhere onto another floor, you hit a button, you fly up there. Um, you can zip line to traverse from building to building. Uh, and what, so what, what does that feel like? It feels very convincing. One of the things we always tell people is how you prepare and stand for zip line, like spread your legs. Sometimes people will think, oh, I'm going to put my legs together and I'm going to grab this and then lose their balance when the zip line ends. Kind of like at the end of a uh, moving walkway. Yeah. You know, you're, you feel like you have inertia. Your brain tricks you. And then we've had people stumble and even some people like just kind of fall over and, and then they're kind of embarrassed. They're like, nothing pushed me, but I felt like I was, I had to like keep moving or else I was going to f- fall. So the f- sensation is really there. We also have the backpacks have haptic feedback. So while you're ziplining, it actually shakes. And at the end, it shakes you a little bit more to convince you you're moving. So you have the sensation of visually and tactilely that you're you are moving. And is that how you're making me like? How are you navigating me into a circle? Like how how do you make me keep staying in my and, and also how big is the circle? Like is it? Do, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have this like well like thought out. Like the way that it's developed is like this person is going to get I, I don't know 100 square feet or whatever that they're going to get to play in. Yeah. They don't know that, but like they're how does that work so you're all inside a 8000 square foot arena okay so you can walk up to each other and see each other and high five each other right and in the game you can see that, like you can yeah. like i visually am seeing you chris sitting across here but like through my headset and i can yep. so i have that kind of like it's the one to one zero latency one to one and yeah. then after that 
I'm in another world. Yeah. No, we were in the same world together. Yep. Right? No, well, yeah, I mean, I'm in the world with them, but, like, we together are in a different world. Yeah, we're in a different world, and we can walk side by side each other, right? And we've had some daughters and and mothers hold hands and and walk and say, let's jump off together the building. Yeah. Yeah, and they can do that. And then... That's mind-blowing. Moments later, we could be the same distance that we are now. We're about maybe six feet away from each other, and you could be in another building, completely and i'm i could be interacting with you like how am i getting to the like walk me through that i'm like this so is depending awesome. on wh- where you're navigating yep. you can go through uh, uh el- like kind of elevator t- teleporters yep. so instead of standing in the elevator and so i'll see that yeah you'll right, see so that. i'll see that there's a marker where i can sort of teleport to this thing so yeah. you're you're shortening up the the building is 100 yards away but you're going to shorten up the process of me running to the building with several steps or something that's yeah. like big leaps and then I, I see the portal and i'm in it and I'm up and over, and now I'm in another building, but I'm still only like six feet away. Yeah, yeah. And then we yeah, do a lot of it, we do a lot of things with zip lines. And when you do certain drops, you we we kind of trick you. When you make certain turns, we trick you too. You know, it's so like we. It, the, the funny thing is, in reality, you don't perceive space the same way. You don't remember. Like I can, we can exit this door, make a right, and then make another right, and you're in a different room. Yeah. But you're like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Unless you count the steps. I mean, people, you can, I've yeah, done you this. You can try this at home. If you count the steps out when you're walking through the house, you know. Don't do it in by steps, please. Don't do it by the staircase. But if you close your eyes and walk your way through your house and you count the steps, you can get to basically wherever you think you're going in the house. But if you don't count the steps and you just try to walk, do it and then open your eyes and see where you are because it's not going to be where you think it exactly. is. Exactly. Our brains don't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Which is So this whole thing is really fascinating to me because... I mean, obviously, it's really cool, but the thing that gets me is the, the like zero latency. That mm-hmm. to me is completely new because yeah. like all of the other type, whether it's whether it's uh, you know Oculus type stuff in my home or it's other stuff that I've done out of like headset stuff I've done. Um, what did we do? we did a like a sort of like a laser tag, but not kind of thing that we did at some stupid thing in San Diego. It was sort of a one of the military academy things you can tour and go through it, and it was cool. Because it like put you in a place, but you could tell really quickly in. Like first, you're like, "Oh my god!" Then you realize really quickly that it's basically a backdrop map that's not moving with you, and you're just sort of like walking, and you're not like, going anywhere. Yeah. And then like you look for your friends, like, "Oh, that's them," but that's not really them. They're not mm-hmm. like if I were to reach out, I would not have touched them. It was just superimposed. Yeah. Which it, for anyone who's listening, who's like been through it, which anyone who's gone to like Universal Studios, you've gone through this. It's cool. It's not amazing. The experience afterward, you're like, oh, I got to do that again. It's yeah. just sort of like I got to watch a movie in 360, like which is cool, but it's not. It's not interactive. Yeah. It's not memorable. Yeah. This is something where you're saying literally. You were talking about this, like I could, I could be with my my mother, and we're like playing this game together, which I don't think she would play, but I could ask her. And if we wanted to jump off of something, you would literally hold hands and jump off of this thing in real time. Now, when I land, will it vibrate and I'll feel like that I, I jumped, I did yep. something? Yeah. And so another thing we've done is um, the uh, we found a lot of ways to trick you so that you won't get motion sickness, yep. right? So example, rocket jumping. Going up is a lot of fun. Going down, your Less stomach so. starts yeah. turning, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. wanna, and you wanna throw up. So what we do, which is really interesting, is that we propel you up and the moment that you start coming down and your brain thinks, oh my God, yeah. you know, we snap you to the ground. Yep. And surprisingly, your brain goes, I'm okay now. Yeah, yeah. And it tells the rest of your body, don't, your stomach just don't even initiate that, that motion of your turning of your stomach. That was going to be my next question yeah. was about that because that's something that would, would get me. But um, that makes a whole lot of sense. For anyone out there, like you ever like jump, you know, wake up crazy suddenly 
And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my body like tripped. I'm good. Uh, we have to take commercial. We're going to go to the news after that. And then we're going to come back and talk a whole lot more about this. So stick around if you're listening. You can check us out at Technori or at Katoon on Twitter or other social. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me right now, Chris Lai. He is the CEO of Mass VR. Um, Chris and I were just sort of noodling on the the old school gaming. I am not nearly as involved as he was actually running and starting a, a gaming company in the in the 90s. I just was like big time into Call of Duty. And I was like, I had parts of my life that were super gamed. And then like parts that I just like disappeared for like five years and I would drop back in. I was super into like Madden and you know NBA 2Ks and FIFA and Tecmo Bowl for a period. And then I was MIA through high school. I didn't play any games. And in college, I kind of got back in. And then by the end of my senior year of college, I was so like locked into Call of Duty that like by the time I was like three years out of college, I got myself into the top thousand, literally. I mean, this is millions of people. The top thousand rankings for uh, KD ratio and like some of the like the one on ones and and troop stuff, and and then I don't normally that's a, like I didn't understand that there was a a business to that. Like it, I I didn't know that like, you could like join leagues and things. Like it just didn't. I was out there. I don't know. And then instead of being smart and continuing to play and make some money at it. I was like, oh my God, I have a problem. Like, if you've made it to the top thousand, that means you're playing months. Like, months of my life were played on Call of Duty. Um, but you have a different story, and it led you to building a, what I think is going to be a very successful business around it. What is your background in, in gaming? Why, why, why gaming? You know, I, I grew up, uh, I think, kind of the golden age of gaming, right? My first gaming system was an Atari, yep. you know, the ColecoVision. And so I saw the whole progression from. Pong all the way to and the big game changer for me was Doom. Yeah, right? that oh, came yeah. out. I was in uh, like between high school and college. I was playing Doom and I was like, "This is amazing!" But I knew that was like two and a half D. It wasn't real yeah. true three D. But I agree with you. Doom was a game that I remember. I went to visit a friend's house and they had a like an old desktop. And I was like, all right, how does this work? Like arrow button down, arrow button right, and you just keep hitting J. Just keep hitting J. <laughs> And I was it blew my mind that was that was my intro I think into call, the Call of Duty thing like it yeah. was way way before it oh. but like I saw it and was like oh yeah this is this is legit yeah so when I saw that I said well this is just going to get better yeah so I actually dropped out of college uh, and formed a gaming company to build a 3D engine a real 3D engine right a full 3D engine a lot of people were doing it at the yeah. time right they're all like kind of rushing to make a, a full 3D engine after they saw what. Uh, Doom did, and, yeah. uh, and the guys, John Carmack, um, were, he was. They, they were really open about like, well, how does how you make a, an engine? So yeah. it was it was a really great community, um, and so built the 3D engine right. With th- there was no graphics card at the time, the Pentium was just out, yeah. so everything had to be run on the CPU, right? Uh, and it was really expensive. So uh, we actually built the game. And uh, recruited a bunch of artists and developers to to build this. Uh, it didn't work out, right? Yeah. After three years, and uh, got courted by lots of people. I, but it got published. There were a lot. Of, we actually signed up with a bunch of publishers and stuff. Um, but it didn't work out. And those guys actually went off and actually made Halo and Do Sex and oh, a bunch wow. of great great yeah. games, right? Uh, I just kind of like, oh, it was three Can't years write of my life. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, three years of my life was kind of kind of kind of down about the fact that it didn't work out um so i went back got my cs degree and started working so i, I just kind of enjoyed gaming like yeah. i love call of duty the, yeah. especially the first 
version World War Two. Yeah. They brought that back recently. And yeah. I, I was a big fan of that. Um, I got hooked on Modern Warfare, the first one. Oh yeah, that was yeah. great. That, yeah. Like it was, I think, as a third iteration of Call of Duty, it was just like Modern Warfare was just. I mean, I literally right now I can sit here and tell you where my camps were. Like I, I could go on that map right now, and I could find my way to exactly where my hides were. And and here's the thing: you hit on the fact that you know there's a skill level to this, and you, there's sure. a ranking, right? And early on, that's what people are doing. They're just kind of like going these land parties and seeing who's the best, and 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 you have some tournaments. But now, seeing from back in the 90s to now, the progression, esports is a real thing. Yeah, oh and, my and, God. And people are, are, are making a living doing this. There's scholarships. Over 100 universities are giving out scholarships for My alma mater, Marquette, just launched uh, an esports gaming scholarship, which yeah. is amazing. And so I think that's really important. That's one of the things that we want to hopefully do with uh, VR Champions is transform that into an esports. I know a lot of game companies want to do that. Yep. But we think... In the VR realm, it's so new that we have that potential to seize that market sure. uh, and, and kind of grow with the community. Because a lot of people are like, how do you do VR esports, right? Uh, and I mean, I, I actually think it makes what you have laid out already, mm-hmm. I don't think it's even a leap. I mean, it, like to me, it's a logical pers- progression. Well, I think one of the toughest things about uh, esports is the rate of adoption, yeah. right? So a lot of the esports that are really popular right now, they're free to play. Yeah, you know, outside of Overwatch, sure. you know, uh, you didn't you just download it and start playing, right? Uh, and that type of adoption rate is really key for for uh, making a game into an esports, um, and that's the problem that we're going to be facing. So I think the more we open more centers and get people excited, uh, it can be. Uh, it'll take a, a while to grow. Who knows, right? So I, we, I mean, I, honestly, I'm just putting myself back into like the gaming world where I I used to have. You know, we had our group. Um, I'm forgetting right now what what they what the actual tab was called. Like when you get the little badge and you join a crew on Call of Duty for whatever reason, I'm I'm blanking on it. But um, I I just think of those people I know, especially Overwatch, that I know who are really into it. <laughs> they will pay an obscene amount of money for their gaming setup. They will pay an obscene amount of money and spend an obscene amount of time. And make obscene amount of money for for those who are like you know influencers in the space. Um, that I think that the adoption of esports, yeah, that's got to keep keep churning. Which I think it's a logical step. Um, but I think for for what you guys do, where you were with the normal community, the battle of getting people into all of your locations as you pop up new locations, I think is going to be as difficult as anything else. You know, it's it's always just trying to get awareness and people to know like and try it once. But I think for the gamer gamers, for the people who would want to be a league and would like literally try to make money and or whatever it is doing this, I don't think the adoption would be very hard at all. I think it's like to me, if you said to me, okay, like in my heyday of Call of Duty, you can come over to Mass VR and play this, like literally put like your whole team together and show up. I, you, I don't even know what the number is, but you could say a number that's almost certainly higher than whatever you charge, and I would pay it, and all the same people would they would pay it. And, all it would take to get everyone to say yes is me to talk a little bit of crap at them, and then yeah. boom, they're in it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't think you're going to have any trouble at all with the adoption of the actual gamers who would be competitive at it. Then amongst the general pop, it's just like selling them anything else. It's trying to get them into it. And that's the strategy and plan that we had, right? W- originally, and we talked earlier, when we first set up, we are like, oh, let's make a a VR experience, player versus environment, right? All this all together, and you go shoot things. Yeah. And we said, well, that's a one-time thing, right? But if you do player versus player and embrace esports, the competitive nature, all of a sudden people are like, every time you play, it's different. 
because yeah. it's a different strategy against a different team against different uh, abilities, right? Some people are really good at like like just intuitively knowing where where they are, where yeah. other players are. That's good you know? balance, yeah. So I, I, I that's one of the things we we learned very early on and pursued. Right, so I mean, it was high hopes to make it in esports, but why not? Yeah, right. Let's let's do it. And when people play, I mean, they they sweat and they go, "Oh my god, that was amazing!" Right. We actually have to tell people. Uh, one thing we changed up was interesting is that because you're in the same physical space, yep. People start physically holding each other, like following each other, yeah, physically, right? Like, oh, I don't want you to get to this, so they block yeah. them. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So like they put like real military tactics in play. Yeah, or like for instance, because you're occupying the same space, I can physically block you because i'm still there yeah you know from moving into somewhere and so one of the recent things that we did because this is all new right we opened up our pop location in february right and so it's very new to introduce let's sign everybody up now it's it's massvr.com yeah that's where they go to yeah and the physical locations where can people go to start trying this out so it's at old orchard shopping center okay we took over the old lauren taylor department store all right so it's a it's a really big building it's a hundred thousand square feet we've only using about fifty thousand square feet of the facility uh, there are multiple arenas that you can play, and we have casters on the weekends and for private events. So once you're done playing, you come down, you rewatch all the highlights, and there's a caster talking about it. So it's that's phenomenal. It's amazing. It's so much fun watching it again because we might have lived the moment that other people didn't see. Yep. Then now they get to see it. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, that was an amazing shot. Well, that's all you it know? is, right? I mean, at this point, it's just getting people to actually visualize the experience and like, oh, what would this be like? I mean, just fun fact, the last PlayStation that I bought was off of some random Joe on the internet because I didn't want to wait any longer on the on the you know availability. It was like just after the holiday, it was that old orchard. I sat in that little little spot. Uh, right in front of the the main entrance, is waiting for some stranger to show up with my new PlayStation. So that it's kind of funny that we we drop it off there. I think what I see as like a huge vision, but something that could be just amazing, is imagine you know a lot of people playing with their teams. Um, the people are dispersed all over the the world. If there was a possibility at some point where you have these across the world or across the country at minimum, where people could play against one another, but in a different space, yeah, the same game. So that would go bananas. So that's part of the roadmap, right? So I was about to get to, and I got sidetracked. So no, it's all right. That's one what of the I things do. I sidetrack everybody. Yeah. So one of the things people do where they're holding each other physically because you're in the same arena. So what we built was we built it so that you're in separate arenas, so you physically cannot yeah. block anybody anymore. Uh, and and you know, and so now with that same ability, you don't have to be in the same physical space. Yep. You can be in a different, physically different city. And still play together, just like you would in a normal game, network together. Yep. So we're going to take one more break here. We're going to come back and wrap this up. And I want to get into that because I think the the competitive nature of this is a as a the next logical advancement from just looking at the charts and seeing like where do I rank in the world? Like, it doesn't matter. But now you can actually find out. So we'll, we will do that after that. I'm Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. All right, we are back to the last quarter of the startup showcase. Chris, uh, you and I left off talking about sort of the next evolution of where the physical addition of the physical realm, I think, takes gaming and esports in general to another level. Because on uh, on a computer, we talked about this off offline. You can rage quit. You can just be like, someone can say something mean to you, or you can like be called a noob or a camper so many times, and then you just boom disengage, or you're losing to Madden and whatever it is, you just exit. You can't do that in the physical. And I'll I'll add another little random anecdote to it. When I was playing um, Tiger Woods Golf, this is, uh, I actually remember it was the, the Masters Edition. It was like, had all the great courses plus Augusta. And I was playing against someone who was in Chicago. 
and we had played, I don't know, countless hours, nine plus hours. Both of us were like actual golfers and we're playing the game and it's going back and forth and, and I'm just like crushing him left and right. And at, at a certain point we get through match play and he's like, this is such BS. Like I could beat you anytime I want. And I was like, well then do it. And we literally went and played golf on a course. We went to Cog Hill in, and uh, what is it in Lamont mm-hmm. and played like physical played golf. And I beat him there too. I just want to put that out there. But like, <laughs> But it was like that that came out of that, and that's what you just did here. So when I first when you first started telling me this, I immediately remember this story and I was thinking like to to be able to do that in something like golf is easy, like pick up game of basketball. Like you can play NBA two K and then hey, let's go play real basketball. All the other games, you will end up in a very, very bad place if you go out and pretend to play Call of Duty <laughs> in the streets. It's not a good thing. And now now especially. Uh this is an opportunity for people to live out that sort of physical element, which when you add in stamina and all of these things, we kind of, I briefly said this before we got to show the best, it's just like athletes. The best gamers are really quick on their feet. Uh, mentally, they have great hand eye coordination. Their spatial recognition is fantastic. That's why they're so good in the box that translates physically. Like in this game, like you still, you're going to be a little winded. You have to think you have to be aware of where you are. And, and it adds an element to this that can make, reality even if it's virtual real and that i think blows all of the like random leaderboards out of the water total game changer yeah that that physical aspect of it where when you lift up your headset you're going to see the other player yeah. and you're going to shake afterwards and say good game or you're going to give them uh trash for like yeah well, I was gonna say, it's more likely that yeah you know you're gonna say well you know why are you camping so much you know yeah. and 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 so that's one of the nice aspects it, it brings back all those attributes in traditional sports and introduces it into esports where now you, you, all your reflexes all your abilities transfer over but you have to just have this additional component of of actual spatial movement and and like physical endurance in a dream scenario Walk me through where mass VR is in five years. A dream scenario. We're or a year. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, the dream scenario is that we're in every major city uh, and we have uh, multiple arenas in there and people are, we have a league yeah. and people are playing and people are coming to spectate because it's a lot of fun watching, right? Um, like I went to IEM, which is the Intel Extreme Masters for CSGO, which yeah. I love CSGO, right? I went there, uh, it was like only a couple weeks ago. R- a lot of fun to watch, right? Yeah. But they're all, they're up on the stage, yeah. right? And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, if we had this and people are all moving around in the arena, and like you're, if you're watching basketball, they're actually physically moving. You can see the the, the, the a screen of their virtual environment. That, how fun would that be? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't be just limited to just the United Center. You can have United Center versus Staples Center and it's filled with people watching people play this. I mean, the people who are listening are like, no way. You need to check out Overwatch and like all the game. People are watching people sitting stationary behind a super chair playing a game and they watch the game on the mainstream. And there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people watching Minecraft and all these other games. Yeah. It's, it's legit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And there's people making a ton of money yeah. sponsoring this stuff. The teams and the leagues are just insane. I mean, the number of NFL owners who, you know, by, by numerical, you know, stat, NFL owners have the most money. The NFL has the the teams are worth the most money. Those are the folks who are who are actually buying leagues. They're investing in buying leagues right now just as quickly as they are buying into teams. In some cases, I'd rather just buy a team, an esports team, because the growth potential is insane. And this to me takes that to a whole nother level. 
can you, the question I have is like, can you take this into sports? Like what are, what are the potential games you can develop under this, under this system? Quite a bit. A lot of people ask me, well, can you make a basketball game? Yeah. And so one of the things that I think my philosophy is, uh, in VR, you can do anything. And we should be really focus on things that you cannot do in real life. Yes, I right? totally agree. Now, maybe for training, that's a that's great tool for VR training. Because for a quarterback to run a play, it takes so much effort. So many people have to be there, all involved. But now you can run it in a virtual world where it's, it'll feel and your movement are the same. Uh, that's great, but if so, a lot of times people are like, "Well, I'm going to do basketball, virtual basketball." I'm like, "Well, just go out inside and do basketball for real." Then yeah, yeah. you know, um, do things. There's so many good games and genres that need to be moved over into VR in a v, in a VR arena space so that people can live it out. I talk about the content stuff a lot, and and for people who've been on, you know, like I said this to Amy before the show, that the the podcasts and things we talk about content from a media perspective and. And I look at what Snapchat's doing, and I, I, I literally, I, I bought their stock at like six dollars and sixty cents or whatever it is. They're at seventeen bucks now, and everyone's like, "Why would you buy Snapchat? They're dying." And I was like, "You got to see the filters. You got to see the way that it changes how we look at you, like your kids on there. They can make themselves be somewhere else." And what I think about VR and I think about gaming in general is this ability to do things that we can't do in the physical world. And that is an endless supply, especially if you're really limited. <laughs> That's an endless supply of content that people will watch. And I, I truly believe that you can only make so many versions of me making a goofy face on my own. Once you start putting different backdrops and different physical activities in front of me, I think that the the consumer watchability of this is way more than even like, yeah, if we could have a million kids and people playing these games at Bass VRs, it'd be amazing. But the million, the, the million plus that are watching it, I think is like even the, the market for you is even bigger. I think to your point. Yeah. And so one of the things that we can do, which is really cool, is because the arena is just empty. Yeah. So we can change the level so that one minute you're playing one level, another one you're playing a different map. Yep. And so we're actually working on a new title that we have VR Champions. And that's, like I said, very similar to a lot of the first person shooter games. But we're actually working on a Halloween special. Okay. Uh, where it's ghosts versus ghost hunters. And so you're trying to scare each other. And there's a lot of fun in that because yeah. who doesn't want to scare their friends? I don't know anyone who doesn't. Yeah. And if you put them in a virtual world, it is just frightening. What would be the most crazy thing that could happen here for you? Like, what would be like something that right now you're like, I don't even know if we can physically build this, but like the, the craziest dream scenario for this company? Random question. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's, there's, there's so much in my head as far as how I want to push VR experience, especially, um, not at home. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's a, a place and things for home. But once, once you have a dedicated space, there's so much unlimited, uh, possibilities because you control the environment. Yeah. I can do so much to give you an experience that you can never experience anywhere else. I totally agree with you on that. I, yeah. I really think that the, the mistake, it's not a mistake because it's all learning to figure this out. But the one thing that always caught me was if anyone out there has done NBA league pass and, and use the Oculus to sit on the bench and watch a ball game, it is a really cool experience. And that's perfect for in-home. You want to watch the Super Bowl from the sidelines? That is going to be an incredible experience and such a huge content gener- you know, revenue generator because you can pay to be closer even though you're just sitting at home, which is really stupid, but works. Um, but I think it's limited to just being a bystander. Yeah. And I, I think anything else, like, yeah, there's like hobby stuff, but to really be able to do something really cool and, 
and experience something unlike anything else. I, I think you're totally correct. I think building in home for that is is so limiting. Yeah, I think like for instance, some of the endeavors I've seen people do, like Great America, had a thing where like, oh, you can wear a headset and ride the ride, and it looks yeah. different, right? So that's a something that's already designed to to, to preexisting that fits, right? Imagine if you were designing it from the gr- from the ground up, yeah, in mind, yeah. you know, uh, and to give people this out of home experience. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm hinting at. It's like right now you just have an empty box. Imagine all the things we can add on to do apparatuses is like that like like i said great america they have their roller coaster right it's already existing and they're kind of augmenting yeah that, you can create but, things that haven't been thought of yeah, yeah like literally we can reinvent the way that we are excited yeah which is cool uh one more time before we head out of this uh where do people go to learn more about this where do they go to, to actually participate so uh go to uh massvr.com uh if you want to follow us on social media it's at massvr gaming okay uh, and you can see some of the gameplay and, and things like that um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, uh, especially for group outings, parties, uh, head to Skokie at old orchard and, and check it. I, I'm definitely going to be talking to my producer, Sam. We're going to, we're going to make sure we get this thing going. So Chris, thank you so much for coming in and taking the time. All right, thank you. Of course, we're going to take one more commercial break and then we'll come back with our news.